Welcome to episode three of the LTK podcast with your host, Charlotte Steinberg, the founder of Let's Talk Knicks. I'm here with Jacob Sklar and Brandon Pockross. What's up, guys? How are we doing today? Good. Where do you guys want to get started? Let's start. Um, I think we can start with the, the elephant in the room. Carl Anthony. Oh, Scott Perry. I think we should start with start Scott Perry. Scott Perry, for those that don't know, yesterday was, according to Steve Popper, was parting ways with the New York Knicks front uh, front office and is not going to be with this team moving forward. Guys, what are your initial thoughts? We'll start with Jacob. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm not sure how much of a role he still had in the organization. You know, when Leon Rose stepped in and World Wide West started taking over, I'm not sure how much this, the back half of Scott Perry's tenure with the Knicks, uh, how much say he had. But in the initial half, when it was him and, and Steve Mills running the whole thing, there were, you know, we could talk about Kevin Knox. We could talk about, you know, some of the other bad draft picks but that there were. But also, he was taking over in a really, you know, not great situation. Like a lot of teams in 2016, when the cap spike happened, they thought that no contract would be a bad contract. And that's why you saw the Joe Kim Noah contract and some other contracts that happened. And it put the team in a really bad spot where they had to completely strip it down. And then the initial plan of the two superstars in free agency, that didn't work. He obviously traded Porzingis to, to do it, which was a less than popular move at the time. So I think that there's a lot of uh, mixed feelings with his tenure. But then again, when you compare him to other recent people that were running the franchise, Phil Jackson, Isaiah Thomas, Scott Layden, like it, he's he looks pretty good next to those guys, and he certainly contributed to be to the team being where it is now. Hmm. Brandon, initial thoughts when you got that tweet yesterday of Scott Perry is is gone. You know, like I, I was I was relatively shocked in the sense of, you know, this is coming off of one of the Knicks' most successful years, in the sense of, you know, they they weren't great last year. They make it back to the playoffs. They're not in the play-in. They're locked in, in that 4-5 series with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, yes, I get that, you know, Perry's contract was up, but it just seems very interesting. The The timing is very interesting. You know, we, we're going to get into it, but it's like, how do you fill that void? What does that mean for roster construction? What does that mean for, you know, some of the decisions that need to be made this offseason? Because, like – like was just brought up, Perry did have an instrumental hand in helping to build the Knicks roster that we see here today. I agree. I I think when Leon Rose was brought into this office and he brought in World Wide West and he brought in his guys, I don't think that Scott Perry was ever in the long-term um, plan because he brought in Rosas from Minnesota and he has World Wide West. And then it seemed like, I guess, Scott Perry was the fourth voice and Obviously, they had conflicting views. I think that's pretty clear. But it's interesting to see after such a successful season, you let go of the GM. But I don't know. It, I was. I know a lot of people are like, this wasn't expected because Leon Rose is bringing in his people that work for him and that he wants. But, you know, Scott Perry, when he entered in 2017, he had – he was the Knicks were paying Joe Noah and Ennis Kanner over $40 million dollars. Mind-blowing. And oh. honestly, that that's what he did, right? He brought in credibility to an organization that had none of it at, at the time. He brought in, you know, I, I want to 
uh, give credit to where it's due because I heard John Mackery of Nick's Film School say this earlier that he brought an adult that was on the other line when somebody called the New York Knicks, which is something that was missing with a guy who was falling asleep in pre-draft workouts in Phil Jackson and a guy who drafted a player from France that he had never seen play before. And, you know, we all think that whenever he says that he was scouting him, that's a lie because Phil Jackson never put in that amount of work. So it brought credibility to an organization that didn't have any. I agree with that. Now, guys, we're going into an off season. Well, right now it's we're one day away from the NBA finals between the Miami Heat and Denver Nuggets. For those that are listening, giving a little bit of a timeline. Um, this team, I don't think they can afford to run it back. Brandon, do you, if you're the G, you're the you're Leon Rose. Well, I think Rosas is going to be the new GM. I think they're going to go internal, but you're the new GM of the New York Knicks. What is your first move? My are first you, move is. Yeah, are you going after a superstar? My first move is locking up Josh Hart. I, I want to get that extension or that deal since he is a unrestricted free agent. I want to get that deal done right, right off the bat. And it comes down to what Hart brought to this roster. He brought the defense that you need. He brought, you know, that spark, that energy, and that's something that proved to be so vital because he adds a piece to that rotation. Where, yes, he's another guard but you're getting that rebounding out of him. You're getting that playmaking out of him. You're, you're getting occasional burst of high-level scoring out of him. So I just feel that he is so vital to the current Knicks roster and really the future of this team that I'm not wasting any time and I'm hammering a deal out with him right off the bat. Hmm. How much are you resigning him for? So I, I would probably look around like a – like a like a four four year deal, seventy million, like in that range, maybe get up to 75, 76, like not heading towards like the eighties, eighty fives, but something respectable where he's getting a high annual average and it's something that isn't gonna completely cripple the Knicks if his play starts to decrease over the duration of that deal. Are you going after a super a, a quote unquote are you ending the star chase this summer? It depends who shakes free. And I, I feel like that's the biggest key. You know, ha- half the battle with finding the superstar is timing. It's when does that guy shake free? When do you have the opportunity to pursue that star? We saw that with the Donovan Mitchell situation where the timing for the Knicks was right, but they had to make a decision on whether or not they were including RJ Batter in that deal, including Emmanuel quickly in that deal. And or extending R.J. Barrett, we saw what happened. You could argue they made the right decision. You could argue they made the wrong decision. But you look at it, does a Zach Levine shake free? Does a Jalen Brown shake free? Do any guys of that sort shake free where you actually have a realistic shot instead of praying that a Joel Embiid becomes available that changes the complexion of your franchise, but you do have to give up a lot for him. So it's more of a wait and see. I'd rather hammer something out where I know I can get it done. And I know it improves or keeps my roster the same instead of playing the waiting game, the wishing game where I may not have as many opportunities to improve that roster. Now we're going to flip it to Jacob. Jacob, same question to you. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I made, uh, I think I made my thoughts on the current roster pretty clear in the last episode, but I want to, uh, I just want to talk about Carl Anthony Towns for a second because 
that's where all the conversation is heading. That's where, you know, Rosas from Minnesota, that those are kind of the dots that everyone is connecting. So if we're going to go down this path, I think it's important to just have the Carl Anthony Towns conversation and what that would mean for this team and talk about his contract and what he's been and all that stuff. So I think it's very important. He's got $50 million next year, 54 the year after, 58, and then it culminates in the big $63 million player option in 27-28. He's played 103 games over the last two years. He hasn't played – he's played 70 games once in 2021 since 2017. Three of his last four years, he didn't even make 50 games. His shooting splits this year were 46, 39, and 87. The 87 was his best of his career. His effective field goal percentage, percentage and true shooting were down. His offensive rebounding percentage was the worst uh, was the worst of his career in the games that he played. The flip side of him is, you know, on paper as a talent, he's one of the best talents in the league. I mean, there's not a skill that the guy doesn't have when he's healthy. He's a borderline, you know, all NBA, third, second team kind of guy. Um, and in the 29 games that they played last year, the uh, the Timberwolves went 15 and 14. Let's compare that to everybody's favorite Nick, Julius Randle. <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns' offensive rating was 111. Julius's was 118. Carl Anthony Towns was 109. Uh, defensive rating was 109. Julius's 116. True shooting, Carl Anthony Towns has got him beat by three points, and his three-point percentage is just a little bit better. So you look at all that. I mean all of that to say that a trade for Carl Anthony Towns would have to include Mitchell Robinson. So you are pairing... Carl Anthony Towns with Julius Randle. You're eventually going to have to re-sign Brunson, which is going to be a lot of money. So th- how you construct the roster around those two guys, whose games I don't necessarily fit well together, would be a major challenge, especially when you're going to have to pay Brunson and you're going to be hamstrung by the $198 million like extra luxury tax where you it makes it really hard to make any other moves to your roster. So... Again, unless it's the guy that you are willing to pair Jalen Brunson with for the next X amount of years and say, we're going to build our franchise around Jalen Brunson and this guy, I'm not sure you make the trade. And I'm not sure Carl Anthony Towns has been healthy enough. I'm not sure that he's that player that you identify and you're like, this guy can be the best player on a title team with the evidence that we've gotten about his health in recent years and his contract. I I just I'm hesitant about Carl Anthony Towns because I don't think that move brings you closer to a championship if we're being honest. Um I, I just really Carl Anthony Towns, yes, he's a great player. I think Minnesota, look, they want to recuperate assets after that Rudy Gobert trade and they lost all their picks. Um I'm pretty sure it was at least like three or four first round picks. So Carly Anthony Towns doesn't make a lot of sense for me. Um, I understand that Rosas has a uh, um, Carly Anthony Towns was upset when the Timberwolves um, fired Rosas. He also came out and said that he has no bad blood with Thibodeau and wanted to get dinner. I understand all those connections. I genuinely do not. Brandon, what's your opinion on Cat? I think Cat's a great player, and I, I feel like you can't deny that. But that's not really. I feel like the point of the conversation, the conversation is, you know, financially, I feel like Jacob did a, a great job of bringing everything to the table of you're, you're paying this guy that 
hasn't exactly done great in the playoffs when they've made it there, if they've made it there, a guy that has been able, been able to stay on the floor, you're giving them all that money and you're, ham, you're hamstringing yourself in terms of roster construction, in terms of team building. Also, to the point Jacob also made, how much further is Cat taking you than Randall? I mean, if Randall is posting better numbers, you know, Randall's been more of an inconsistent player. But would you rather have the inconsistency and the guy still having the threat of scoring on the floor or the guy that isn't as inconsistent but isn't on the floor? And now you're having to figure out different aspects. You're also going to hurt your depth if you make this trade. You know, Mitchell Robinson's not the only guy going in that deal. And let's say, like he has the past few seasons, Anthony Towns gets hurt again. Well, are you rolling with Jericho Sims now at, at as your starting center? And who's backing him up? I mean, are you starting Isaiah Hardenstein every game? Like, these are the type of issues you would run into. And then how do you build the rest of that roster with that cap number that Cat has? So personally for me, Anthony Towns is not the guy I would really go after. Is he a great player? Yes. But I feel like the risks with him in, included – and what it would take to get him on this roster, quite frankly, I don't think it's worth it. I agree wholeheartedly. I know people on Twitter tend to disagree, but I'm going to throw out a name, and I want to. we're going to do a little quick rapid fire. Um, give me your first thoughts when you hear the name. Jacob, Zion Williamson. Injured, inconsistent, um, you know, but that's, Kind of the nature of some of the guys we're going to talk about, like Zach Levine, Carl Anthony Towns, Bradley Beal. Now, you know, all those guys look durable next to Zion, but like it's another guy that you're like, man, if you traded for him and crossed your fingers and everything went well, would be a home run. But what are the odds of that actually happening? And how much are you really willing to part with at this point, given the evidence that you've seen in the NBA, which is when this guy's on the court, he's a top. 20 player in the league he's amazing but he's never actually on the court and there are physical reasons for that i think some of the rumors about his work ethic is always a red flag um you know the, there's a little ben simmons there when it comes to that that i'm would be incredibly nervous about so i have just as many questions about zion as i have you know about trading for anybody else in terms of his health would you trade for zion Depending on the price. I mean, on paper, I would do it because, again, like if it pans out, it's amazing. But how much am I really willing to risk for a guy that I hope, I hope, like best case scenario is going to play 60 games? They would ask probably for something like RJ, IQ, Grimes, and Picks. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say that. Brandon, Bradley Beal. Intriguing, not sure how he fits with this specific Knicks core. Um, I would definitely be interested in his scoring ability and what he could bring to the table, but Beal's only getting older, and this is not exactly a team that I would call uh, flush with a ton of young talent. We have young talent, but I wouldn't say, you know, the Knicks are in this let's have Bradley Beal lead a bunch of young guys. You know, you have Brunson, you have Randall. I'm just, I'm not sure how he fits with that group 
But at the same time, this goes back to the Zion conversation. It would depend on the price. If I'm not having to trade four or five draft picks and along with RJ, Quickly, OB, or some combination of those guys, if that price comes down a little bit, I wouldn't be very interested. Hmm. Can, you- I, can I talk about Bradley Beal for a second? Because yeah, he's yeah. somebody else. So just straight off the bat, would you guys do this trade? Okay. RJ, Fournier's contract, and the top 18 protected pick from the Pistons for Bradley Beal. Hmm. Bradley Beal, hmm. last three seasons, 50 games, 40 games, 60 games. Averaged 23 a game the last two years, but two years ago was up there 30 points per game. There, I have some concerns about, like, uh, great stats, bad team guy, but he also has an awesome history in the playoffs. I'm not doing it. No? It's Brun- who Who's who's taking the backseat? Because Brun- uh, I don't think it's Brunson. And then we saw we saw what Randall is at times because of the roller coaster that he's been over the past few years. You know, how does Randall react if he's now that third option? You know, like, be- what? He's not going to react well if you think Randall wants to take a back seat. No, exactly. So it's like, does that, does his defense slide? Do, is he now not giving enough effort? Is he not producing as well because he's in his head about being the third option? And then does that have like a cascading effect on the team? Obviously, that's going to happen if you trade really for any star. So that's, that obviously goes into the, overarching Randall conversation, but I would just be very intrigued that package. I'm probably, I'm probably leaning towards no, but I'd be very intrigued. Like you bring a Bradley Beal in. How does this Knicks offense in terms of like, who's taking the shot shape up? Jacob, I got a new name for you. DeMar DeRozan. Funny. I was looking at a lot of stuff with uh, Zach Levine, but DeRozan, DeRozan has one year left on his contract. It's $28 million. So it's a move for this year. So you don't have to worry about it affecting you when the CBA hits in two years. You like, you would have to think of what the package would be. It would probably be an RJ and a Sims to make the money work kind of a thing for DeRozan. So the, you know, the lineup would be, you know, Brunson, Grimes, DeRozan, Randall, and Mitch. DeRozan is not a shooter. So you still have a lot of Mitch. It's a great mid-range shooter, but he's not a three-point shooter. So you still have a lot of spatial issues. Um, the Knicks are a very ISO-dominant team. So that would play into DeMar DeRozan's hands, which is also, you know, one of the – I'm very pro-Jalen Brown, but one of the major uh, red flags about Jalen Brown for the Knicks would be everything's in isolation and the guy can't dribble. <laughs> you know, that that's not – the isolation game is not as much of a concern about DeMar DeRozan. But he's also not that kind of a player. So there's a lot of yin and yang there, and it doesn't help out with the spacing. So I wouldn't give up anything real for DeMar DeRozan, although on paper it makes you better today. He wanted to, I think he had interest in coming to New York. So I wouldn't rule that out. Imagine a lineup of Jalen Brunson, Quentin Grimes, DeMar DeRozan, Randall, and Robinson. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you guys. I just, like, I'm not sure that DeRozan is, like, would I, I'm looking at everything in the prism of the Eastern Conference Finals that we just watched. Would these guys, do I think the Knicks could have won that series by adding one of these players? I don't think the Knicks would have won that series by adding DeMar DeRozan. Hmm. 
Mm. I don't think the Knicks were beating the Celtics or the Heat with with just swapping out RJ for DeMar DeRozan. I agree with you. Yeah, I can see that. Brandon, last name for you, Joel Embiid. You know, I, I would love, I would absolutely love Embiid to, to make that trade, to get him on this roster. I honestly, like, for me, it comes down to how much are you giving up? It's not a matter of would I make the trade. It's I am, but what what's the what's the compensation that you're having to give up? Because I, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts. I feel like it starts, and I feel like the majority of any star you're trading, and this is where I feel like my baseline is, what stars are you comfortable giving up a combination of RJ, Quickly, Obi Toppin, in? and then what's the pick range? Are you giving up two, three, four? I feel like those are the numbers in terms of picks, and those are the guys where, depending on your comfort level and depending on really the organization's comfort level of giving these guys up, maybe you even throw a, a Quinn and Grimes into that deal or mix and match with Mitchell Robinson in that deal because of salary purposes. Whatever you feel comfortable giving up is going to really land you towards, you know, what stars do you feel comfortable? Because if you feel good about giving that up for Embiid, then you make the trade for him. You feel good about giving that up for a Jalen Brown type player. You make that trade. But if you don't feel comfortable giving that up for a Bradley Beal, maybe that's not the guy you go after. Like I said before, it's all about the timing and how the organization feels about these specific players and guys on the roster. The thing about the MB trade is like, so like with the new CBA, it's going to be really hard for them to keep some of their like third, fourth, fifth options. And quickly his contract is going to have to be redone in the next now. Grimes now is yeah. Con- yeah. Now Grimes, contract is going to be up by then. You're still paying RJ in the 20 to $30 million range. So how many of these guys can you realistically keep? So if a Joel and B trade ever, if you ever decided that that was a legitimate availability, as crazy as this is going to sound, I'm not sure it matters how much you give up because if you're identifying these two really highly paid guys, Embiid and Brunson in this case, it's going to be really hard for you to keep a lot of these well-paid third, fourth, and fifth options anyway. So if, if like, if you're not going to be able to find ways to keep those guys on the roster, including them in a Joel and B trade, just to make sure that that happens makes sense. It's, it's ensuring that you're getting something in return for those guys instead of letting them walk. No, that's a, that's a very good point going to be an interesting summer guys um i can't wait for the rumor mill and everything that goes on but before we get to free agency we have the nba draft as everyone knows the knicks have no picks currently right now but they do have 11 first round picks in the next seven years now guys do you look to they as everyone knows um it was reported that they looked at it they worked out Gigi jackson of uh, south carolina that was the only one that i've seen that was reported that the Knicks have been at, but guys, anyone could take this, but do you look to trade into the first round? Well, I, if they're going to hoard the picks to not give them up in, in a situation where they do end up trading for a Joel Embiid, then, you know, having just the picks in future years and being able to kind of kick the can down the road and just like holding on to the assets probably makes more sense than just adding another young player to this team, especially if that young player is not going to be somebody that Tibbs is actually going to put in the rotation. That's like it doesn't make any sense for this team to like have another Trevor Keels on the roster. And it's just the nature of the NBA draft that unless you're picking in the top 
you know, five or six, honestly, but really in the lottery, there's not that much insurance that whoever you take is even going to be a rotation player. So I'm not sure that giving up a legitimate asset to move into the first round, unless you were moving into the top 11, uh, makes that much sense for them right now. Brandon? I mean, if you really look at it, right, it, it took so long for Thibodeau to get quickly and Obi like fully involved with the rotation and even getting McBride minutes. And even if those minutes haven't been the best, you know, Thibodeau is not the coach that is going to consistently play the young guys unless they literally go out of their way to completely prove it. Like you saw with Clickley, like you saw with Grimes, like you saw with Obi to an extent. I'm personally of the thought where if the Mavericks pick conveyed, which it came very close, but, you know, Dallas just decided to go full tank job to end their season. If that pick conveyed, I would feel a little bit differently because I would be like, you know, I I would definitely feel comfortable adding another young player because you already have the pick. You know, it's not not like you have to trade it, but I don't see any reason to give up assets to move into the first round to draft a guy that probably isn't going to play over what you have on the roster. I'd rather keep those assets and like was brought up before. If an MB shakes free, you have all your assets to go trade. Also, something happens mid-season. Let's say, for example, just like spitballing, just not saying this would ever happen, but let's say the Bucks go south or another team along those lines goes south and all of a sudden stars start asking out. You have all your assets mid-season to go make a deal. You didn't give up something just to move up to pick a, a player in this draft but instead you have everything under your umbrella to go make a deal. So it's about keeping that flexibility. I feel like where I'd rather take the shot on a star shaking free and actually being able to land one with the assets that you have, than maybe trading up in that first round, getting the young player, but having that asset that you gave up in that trade to move up biting you because that's the kicker for you not getting the deal done. I agree. I I just, I don't really, I I know that Walt Parent is a huge draft guy in our office, but I I think they should at least try and get a flyer in the second round. Um, I know Monty Bates will be there probably, maybe some CA guys like Jamie Jaquez uh, out, out of UCLA, guys like that, just to like see what they have. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I think that the Knicks get trade into the draft because they haven't drafted the last two years, and especially probably with Obi Toppin. There's no way, in my opinion, I don't think that Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin are both going to be on this team by the end of next year. I just don't see it. Um, I don't see the vision of both of them, especially with Obi Toppin playing 14 minutes. So I would get another rookie here on a two-way deal. I don't really see Jericho Sims getting major minutes on this team. Nor do I see Deuce, sadly, but um, we're going to play a quick game that I prepared. Um, you're gonna, You guys are going to tell me if this player is going to be on the roster next year, and if there's a no, you got to give like a little explanation. And then at the end, you got to give me your starting five for the, the next year. So, Jacob, Isaiah Hartenstein, will he be yes. on the roster? Yes. Uh, Brandon, Emmanuel Quickly. Yes. Jacob, Julius Randle. Yes. Brandon, R.J. Barrett. 
No. Why? I feel like I feel like someone shakes free this summer. I don't know who it is. I don't know. I and I I couldn't predict that because predicting that in the NBA is like trying to find a needle in the haystack. You're 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 not gonna you're not gonna land that on the money. But I feel like with all the craziness that's gonna probably happen this offseason, especially with the new CBA looming, someone's gonna shake free and the Knicks are gonna have their opportunity. And I think RJ Barrett goes in that deal. Ow. Jacob Quinton Grimes. Oh, uh, I'll say I'll say if they make any trade, then no, because I think that Quentin Grimes is somebody that a lot of teams will want, and I think he's uh, an easy guy to to add in a trade as like a young piece. He, he's been he's been amazing, and that's not what I mean by easy. I just mean contractually. It's it's easy. He's an easy young guy to put in a trade. Um, as, one more time. He's Mister Untouchable. Last year he was in the Donovan Mitchell thing. But listen, he's a very like streaky shooter. He didn't really show up for the play. Everyone's talking about who didn't show up for the playoffs. You know, I know that he played 48 minutes, but tell me the big shots that he had the big steal, but tell me the big shots that Quentin Grimes hit in game six when he couldn't hit anything. Like I'm not as attached to Quentin Grimes as I am to like an Emmanuel quickly. I'm just not. You can quote me on that. I'm not as as in as in love with Quentin Grimes as I am Emmanuel quickly. Interesting. Okay. Mr. Untouchable last year, but we'll get, we'll, we'll touch on it. Brandon Easy, Jalen Brunson. If the answer is no for this one, something went horribly <laughs> wrong. So yes, this, this is the lock of the century. Yes. Um, we got nine minutes left in our show. Um, Obi so, Oh, okay. Uh, yes. Miles McBride, Brandon. Yes. Jacob Mitchell Robinson. Not if they trade for Carl Anthony Towns, but yes, in any other circumstance. Can Man. I can I tell you guys the Carl Anthony Towns trade I made? Real quick. Yeah. Real quick. Carl Anthony Towns and Torian Prince back to the Knicks for Fournier's contract, Mitchell Robinson, Grimes, and Miami's second in 2024. They won't do it because of Grimes. They won't let go of Grimes. But he's the guy that would make the money work. That's why I said no. You have to sub in like Obi Toppin. Then they do it. I'm not sure Minnesota does that. Exactly. That's a negotiation. <laughs> um, I don't think they like go Grimes, but uh, where was uh, Jericho Sims? Brandon, I just asked you Jericho Sims, right? No, he's not. Jericho Sims. Yes. Jacob Evan Fournier. No. No. <laughs> no. He's, he's $18 million that they can just give away for free to anybody who needs it. No. Brandon, Derek Rose. No. No. I think he's going to go back to Chicago or Bucks or some contender. He has to go to Chicago. He has to go to Chicago. Let him wear number one, do the whole retirement tour thing. It's great. Yep, exactly. And we close out with Josh Hart. And um, we all know probably he is coming back. Um, He did put out an interesting tweet yesterday talking about (laughs) breast milk which we are not going to go into, but um, Josh, really hope that your twins are doing well if you're listening to this, but uh, that's going to close out our show. Episode three, shout out to Jacob and Brandon for joining me on this episode. As always, like, comment, share our podcast. We'll have at least two episodes a week 
Jacob or Brandon, if you have any closing thoughts, you can go now. No, nope. I I mean I'm I'm very excited for this off season. You know, as Knicks fans, we have come to uh come to expect the worst when it comes to off seasons in terms of you know getting our hopes up and then just not winning the guys. But with with the type of team they have, the type of the roster they have, I'm very excited to see what moves they make and what direction they feel it's time to take this team because. I'm not going to go out there and say, oh, it's the most pivotal offseason in, in team history. But, you know, it, it is an important offseason. Like some of the young guys are coming up for extensions. How you navigate that and what you bring to this roster for next year is going to have an impact on how far this team goes in terms of contending for the playoffs and contending for championships. If they trade for Carl Anthony Towns, I'm never going to stop laughing. Okay, thank you guys for joining us for episode three. We will be back with episode four soon. Thank you.